Welcome to the Naked Ambition podcast, where we speak with the people who are making an impact in tech, innovation, and leadership all around the world. I'm your host, Fiona Triaka. So on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Claudette Leeming. Now, Claudette has spent her career in the property industry. She's got a specialization in workplace strategy, and she's super passionate about unlocking the power of the physical environment to impact business performance. She's also a designer, but she's really tapped in to understanding the business needs and also connecting the dots between thinking creatively and making that a reality in strategy. In 2015, she moved into the role of the Head of Workplace at Australia Post, where she still is today in a broader role within group property. She loves bringing together technology, people and culture, and likes to influence workplace experience, but also not limiting the organisation's effectiveness or compromising the effectiveness in doing that. She also studied interior design at RMIT before spending the next 20 years in practice. So I really enjoyed this conversation because I think it's such a timely one with everything that is going on around us in the changing world um, and this great remote working experiment that we are all in globally at the moment. Claudette has some really unique perspectives on where this all might head and why all of us as leaders uh, need to think about what is coming in the future, but also not make too many assumptions at this point in time when we don't necessarily have all of the answers. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So welcome, Claudette. It's so fantastic to have you here on the Naked Ambition Podcast. How are you? My first, I'm a first-timer, so be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll take it nice and easy. <laughs> no, I'm sure you're going to be an absolute. It's so nice to have you on here, Claudette. I'll give you a little bit of an intro um, for those of you out there um, who haven't come across Claudette yet, she's a superstar in the workplace space. She's head of workspaces uh, at Australia Post at the moment. And you've actually been in the industry, you've been in this role since 2015. Yep. Uh, you've pretty much been in design your whole life. And you're really passionate about the intersection between people, culture, technology, and spaces, and how all of these things come together. So that's kind of a little bio. I'm sure you're going to give us a little bit more about your career in a moment, but what an incredible time to be in your yeah. role yeah. <laughs> at the moment. So, of course, we're right, you know, we write, uh, we're in the thick of it, especially both of us are based here in Melbourne, so we're really at a critical time for this conversation at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's um, it's unbelievable uh, at the moment, and I think I think the main thing I wanted to say is, of course, to predicate the conversation by probably we'll put aside obviously all the sort of really horrific sort of difficulties that everyone's going through with the situation, because um, I don't want to sound um, lush about some of that stuff. Uh, in terms of the impacts that um, everyone's experiencing, health, mental health. Um, financial, all of those stresses, but I guess for the purpose of today, I'm assuming we'll, let's park them because from a, as a workplace type person, this is 
an unbelievable opportunity. So, um, which is, you know, which is good. There's some good. There's some good in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to say as well, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, you know, we, everyone is definitely feeling it out there and you're absolutely right. You know, this yeah. is a, a, you know, an experience like none of us really have ever had before. Certainly generations have not, our generations have not had this sort of experience before and we're not taking that lightly at all. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to say that you're going you to have some good news for us too. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, we all need, yeah, yeah we all, we need good it. news as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to tell us? I think it'd be really interesting for our listeners out there as well. Are always really keen to hear about your career journey. So just you know, okay. tell us a little bit about you know who is Claudette? How did you end up um, in this role that you find yourself in? Yeah. Okay. So um, it's an interesting one. I was signing some papers today and had to write down what my uh, profession was. I didn't really know what to put, so I went back to designer which, you know, felt nice, actually. <laughs> um, but so I um, probably originally, um, I've always been a creative and I actually, um, when I was younger, thought I might be an artist. <laughs> so that's what I thought. Um, and then um, as I kind of was going through school, I realised um, I had a fair bit of a left brain going on, if that's right. Right's your creative, left's more practical, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, so... I kind of recognised that I had that side um, that, uh, and interest as well. So I actually just honed in on um, interior design as kind of having the best of both worlds in that regard in terms of being a creative um, profession but also um, business-driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at about 15 or so, for some reason, I came to that conclusion and then um, just worked my way towards getting into interior design at RMIT. Uh, so I did that uh, straight from school, uh, which is a four-year degree. And then pretty much then once I started practising interior design, the minute I kind of was exposed to workplace design, that's where I really found my interest and passion, Um, whereas a lot of people think interiors, I think residential um, or maybe hotels, hospitality and stuff. But um, what I really loved was getting under the bonnet of different businesses and different industries and getting to kind of understand so many different professions and businesses and what made them tick and their culture um, and and what their aspirations were and then trying to then translate that into a design that was actually going to sort of support a business. So uh, for whatever reason, that really excited me. Um, And so I then kind of evolved into probably less hands-on in the design and then more acting in the design studio as an advocate for 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 the client. Um, so always having the, the business or the customer's hat on uh, and then challenging the design team to um, sort of ensure that what we were putting forward was actually meeting the business's needs. So it kind of, I suppose, you could, could say it was like business-centric design, uh, which by virtue really is human-centred design. If you think about a business, is its people. Um, and so that, um, you know, that's the sort of role, how my role evolved. So then it was kind of a natural progression for me when the opportunity came to join Post is instead of having a consultant's kind of point-in-time view of a business and kind of limited to actually be within a business and really understand how it operates, um, what's important, where it's heading, what its strategy is, and then being able to constantly kind of fine-tune and evolve the workplace strategy to support that business kind of really hits the spot for me. So um, it kind of has sort of culminated to that and been a pretty natural kind of progression. So, yeah. Mm, 
such an interesting journey actually as well as kind of I think you know coming through that the interior designer can see amazingly complimentary but even just keeping that designer's hat on yeah and yeah and yeah no I still feel like I get to be creative I do yeah. um, I mean you're in a creative uh, business and probably yes. you know 20 years ago or that you know your type of business probably didn't even really exist no. uh, so now everyone can see creative creativity comes in so many um, different forms yeah uh, and is so applicable to business so um, so I think it's a nice uh, it's a nice fit to bring more creatives into business absolutely you yeah. also touched on um, something that's getting a lot, quite a lot of airtime in the design community at the moment, but even just this concept or even the phrase business design or to be a business designer. Yeah. People kind of coming through that typical design discipline who are now trying to learn more of those business skills or even those kind of consultative business skills and then other people coming from the business side who are trying to, you know, do more of that human-centred piece as well. So there's a bit of a vision there. So it sounds like you did that pretty naturally. Yeah, look, I think it's just curiosity, isn't it? Um, if you're a curious person who asks, you know, enjoys asking questions and, and listening and understanding more, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of natural to then um, take what you're hearing and then want to translate that into something, yeah. into some form of outcome. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what, what are you seeing at the moment? Let's really dive in because I know everyone was just hearing uh, you know, it's if anywhere you look at the moment, especially if you're sort of curious about this theme, you know, what are so many changes around us at the moment? What are our workplaces and spaces going to look like? I think we were talking to a, um, one of our clients the other day on those people doing this at the moment. They're getting kind of pulse surveys every couple of months about yeah. how many people want to come back, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they've, they've gone from, you know, they're swinging between kind of 70 to 80% of people are saying they, they never want to be full-time at least in the office again. Yeah. Um, what's what's kind of your take on all of this? What do you see? Oh, I mean, as we were saying, I mean, it's an incredible time. Um, I think many people are commenting this is like the most amazing um, global collecting pilot um, or experiment, to be honest. Again, uh, if we're looking at it purely from a way of working perspective. Um, so that is um, unbelievable. You couldn't have such rapid change in any other circumstance, really, um, because there was, you know, for us as a business, it was like in the end, it was like 48 hours and we were we were out. Um, so I think, um, so that in itself is incredible. And I think this is just accelerating um, thinking that was already happening. But the, the ability to work remotely and have that flexibility wasn't available to everyone. I think so there were some people, you know, who others might have felt had that privilege um, and others who didn't either think it would work for them or it wasn't available to them, um, whereas this has just ripped that Band-Aid off. Um, and I think um, there are people who were sceptical about, you know, what can you do working from home, how productive would it be? Because some, suddenly it's being all these different proof points and, and, and um, you know, there is, there, there is still incredible productivity happening remotely not for everyone um, but um, but for many so I think that in itself um, having this collective experience is very very unique but I think also we have to remember that um, it's not normal what we're doing at the moment Um, it's not normal for everyone to be simultaneously working from home Uh, and also a lot of a lot of businesses I think are obviously under a lot of stress 
Um, so we're doing this in a situation of stress. Uh, and also, I think it's still, whilst it's felt like a long time, it isn't really. So I guess people making their call, and I, I suppose what I caution is people being binary on this and thinking, I never want to come back to the office. Like, I love it from home, you know, that's it for me. Um, is we haven't, many businesses through this time have just been in survival mode. So we haven't, like, there hasn't been a lot of hiring of new staff, onboarding of people, bringing in graduates, um, developing, you know, people training, all this sort of stuff. Also, and you can be better than me to answer this, but, you know, how much innovation and creativity is going on at the moment? Um, because I, I'd be interested in your experience you know, as a creative, like, how does that, how's that working? Um, there is something about people coming together in a room to be creative and solve problems that I think can be a little bit stilted um, over technology. So, um, so I think we're in a very unusual experiment. Um, there's a lot to be learned about what we are all capable of. Uh, and I think, but I think definitely there's no going back, as in, I think it would be a mistake to assume that when this is over, we'll just go back to parking the court. Um, and I think that's why there's a bit of a reluctance, and I'm speaking to my peers in the industry, um, even for uh, in states and even New Zealand or in other states where they have opened up, people are reluctant to come back. Mm. Um, and I think that can be for a number of reasons. Some can be for genuine safety concerns and, and, and you know, concern about COVID. But for others, I think they're reluctant to come back until they know that there's a commitment to having this flexibility going forward because there's that sense that once I come back, um, that's the end, I think, for some. So I think one of the big challenges that people initially we thought, oh, we're going to have to have a cap of 30%. Everyone's going to want to come back here and how are we going to manage the lifts and all these things. And in actual fact, again, talking to my peers, um, we're struggling to get interest at the moment to come back. So um, so I think it's really important that people get a little bit of a certainty about what the future holds in the sense that this isn't, we're not going to turn off remote working when this is over. Mm. Um, I think people need to know that they'll be able to have a bit of both. Um, so I don't think it's black and white, um, but, uh, yeah, I think people are looking for at least that, you know, that the, the good stuff is going to be able to continue an interesting point as well. Do you think it's sort of a case of I don't want to get I don't like what you're saying, I don't want to give up my freedoms mm. because I may not get that. You know, I'm I've got this deal that I you know I may not have ever been able to negotiate. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and if I go back in, I'm just I might just be signing up to the yeah. old world. So I want to hang on to that. But what you're sort of saying is, you know, if we're all thinking like that and we're trying to hold on to this, then what are the trade-offs? And the benefits that we may lose that come from those natural, you know, spontaneous yeah. interactions. And you're talking about collaboration. And yes, absolutely, there are certain aspects of innovation that are really challenging online. Some can be emulated remotely, but some just they can't. You know, they are those casual bump-ins and those moments. And, those and I think I think that's the thing is um, yes, there's been some great benefits giving everyone the ability to work remotely. But we haven't been doing it for long enough for people to realise what we've lost. Mm. I don't think yet. I think some have. Some have realised 
Um, and uh, in terms of that um, incidental collaboration mm. and that learning that happens from um, being around other people and watching and observing uh, and all of those things um, that over time, uh, you know, you would really miss. Uh, so I think I think what the challenge now is is for leaders to really focus on what the purpose of coming into the workplace is mm. and redefining what that is because the purpose of coming into the workplace isn't just somewhere to come and be productive because I think everyone's shown that you can be productive in a number of places. Yeah. So why do we come together? We come together to be part of, you know, something bigger than ourselves. We come together to connect with a common purpose. Um, we come together socially um, because um, there's lots of uh, evidence that people who have relationships uh, at work in terms of friendships and and, uh, and all of those sorts of things give more to a business because they, you know, they're more vested um, because of those relationships they have with their peers. Uh, and then I, I imagine for um, the work like you do, sort of that problem solving, dealing with complexity and stuff, I, I think, um, you know, sometimes the things just don't get read properly, or even in a Zoom or whatever it is. I just don't think it's the same. But I'd be interested in, in your view on that. Yeah. In terms of I think there's... that work either virtually. Yes, absolutely. And there's, there's the things that we're seeing definitely that uh, have been still quite strong. I think it's still possible to do your typical design when we're talking about you know, sense-making, for example. So it's if you're talking about the practices of sharing research, doing that sort of sense-making are all possible on, you know, your virtual whiteboarding tools. We use a lot of Mural. Mm -hmm. It's a big one. So using Mural in combination with ideally Zoom, sometimes Teams for virtual workshops, for kind of capability building when we were doing this morning, whole organisation rolling out their own design thinking program and all of that is is still quite possible. They can still be interactive and they can still be solving. Where there are challenges, and this is with other creative agencies I've spoken to as well, are having the challenges around things that are more strategic. So bringing together kind of leaders where big decisions need to be made. Now, whether that's typically, whether that's to do with what is going on at the moment and people just struggling to make decisions anyway, and to know, especially if it's something that's to do with, you know, foresight, they're struggling to do those sorts of sessions. Um, but, yeah, but I think, I mean, largely in the design world anyway, a lot of a lot of it was moving to more of this sort of virtual working mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, but there's still, you know, you can, you can do digital prototypes. You can do, you can do most things online. But I think the, those kind of, the, the natural collaboration and even the challenges that you can have with sort of psychological safety in online experiences. Yeah. That's, that's sort of where we can we boost things, breaking down a little bit more, or it's just a little bit harder to make people comfortable. But again, all in the facilitation, and that's, you know, a learning curve that a lot of groups like ours are on as well. But we're definitely, you know, in... It's, it's, a, it's a spectrum, probably, like what you see. Some people are really enjoying it because it's a welcome break from some yep. of the monotony of some of the other things at the moment. Um, and other people are just thinking, oh, this is not something I can, I can take on. Yeah, I think, I think there's also um, a comment that, that was made in our organisation is there's some interactions that are just incidental and yeah. they speed things up. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think 
when everyone's remote, there's more formality that has to happen in order to collaborate. Yeah. Times and again, maybe the other organisations with you know different organisations are at different levels around how they use tools and technology to collaborate. Um, but for, for organisations and parts of our business that haven't had to work that way uh, and haven't been able to adopt everything at speed, yeah. um, it sort of feels like there's a formality in, in getting decisions and, and information and, um, uh, you know, um, things happening that, that doesn't exist when you're in an environment together where you can quickly tap someone on the shoulder or you hear something and um, that sparks something and, and, you know, a decision is made quickly. And people who've had the opportunity to come back into the office and even bumped into very few people have said, oh, I solved a couple, you know, a couple of things just because I happened to bump into so-and-so mm. uh, as I was coming in, you know, and that that sort of stuff's not happening so readily, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's an interesting, I guess, um, dichotomy, that's even the right word for this, but I guess between people who different types of personalities are going to be more and working styles more adaptable to this sort of way of working because I think you know even what we're talking about there there might be some people who are like yes that's kind of exactly what I want you know we need to just get straight to the point I'm sick of all these long meetings you know we all spend seven hours a day just going from meeting to meeting to conversation to conversation and they're like now it's just we're in we're out we make a decision I can see it everyone's across it so mm-hmm. it's kind of that camp and then there might be people who you know, maybe on the other spectrum that, that do need that and do need more of a consultative approach that might be struggling. Yeah, I think, I think I think there's definitely and definitely yeah, and different different personality um, types are going to respond to um, working remotely to missing that buzz and energy of, of a collective. Um, so I think there's sort of personalities that come into play. There's the type of tasks you're doing as well. Yeah. I think I think for me, what's quite exciting about this is. By proving that um, focused activity and productive work can happen remotely, mm. kind of one of the big challenges for workplace forevermore has been this intersection between people who are wanting to focus yeah. and get work done with their head uh-huh. down in the open plan, and then people who are all about energy and interaction falling out across the room and all that sort of stuff. So I think what's quite exciting is maybe once and for all we can get rid of that problem. And say, okay, well, the focus stuff is not what you come into the workplace for, right? If we've figured out we can do that remotely. And, and again, some people have more challenging setups than others. Like not everyone has a good work setup at home. Um, so those things would need to be addressed. But we could suddenly remove that tension and make the workplace about all the things that are the benefits of bringing a group of people together which is incidental conversations, coming together as a team, problem solving, being creative, and then getting out of there and getting stuff done and then, you know, coming back or whatever. So I think um, therein lies an opportunity and maybe, you know, um, what the what's in a workplace will change and, um, mm. because at the moment it's a big compromise yeah. often because yeah. no one's really happy sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you create some focus environments, they're not quite right because they're too close to the noisy people. Um, and then, you know, the noisy people don't want their behaviour hampered. Um, and then for true creativity, we sort of some of the meetings make it be formal for that. Like everything's a bit of a compromise to try and please everything. Whereas maybe now there, there's a sort of um, circuit breaker 
um, that the workplace can be about all the things around human interaction um, and creativity and collaboration mm-hmm. and developing and learning and watching, um, and then and then we can retreat. Uh, so we'll be super stimulated, and then we can you know come back home and, and digest, think, and produce. You know, I mean, um, you know, there's a, there's an opportunity, I think. Um, which you know we've all kind of been thinking that's where it should head, but this is again just accelerated um, people's ability to see things. Such an exciting vision, actually, to imagine that because I know in your I've heard you speak previously about your experiences of where you've designed, you've redesigned floors and floors yep. over at Post over the last couple of years and have run into those sorts of challenges. Maybe. Do you want to talk a little bit to that or sort of maybe where you've had visions in the past and then the compromises that you've had to make? Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah. There was, I think the one I probably talked about was um, this very thing I was just describing where you get that that um, nervousness around people, am I going to be able to focus and be productive in this new environment that you're creating? And um, so you then deliberately try and create spaces that allow that um, ability to focus and, and we call them libraries. Um, and and we sort of tried to, you know, we had to work out how much of that do we need. And, you know, we had all this survey data around people's concerns around the ability to focus. So we provided those spaces, um, but then people didn't, the majority didn't actually want to use them um, because they they were too far away from their team spaces or, you know, they weren't located um, as conveniently or, or the, there was a number of reasons or, or, you know, leaders were really trying to drive collaboration and they felt that those libraries, like the statements, were, were a barrier to that. So you kind of did something that you thought was responding to a human need um, and perhaps it was required to transition people from where they were at that point in time to the new. Um, but ultimately we then found we had to kind of reconfigure and diminish the amount of focus space um, because people were more... more um, uh, wanting spaces to collaborate and team yeah. like those events. So, yeah, and, and you kind of have to, you have to be able to adapt um, to that because there's nothing worse than having um, a work environment that's not actually supporting the way people need to work. Yeah. It's just you can't, you can't always guess. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes they can't even tell you what they want. They kind of, yeah. So what about this time around that, taking the lessons from what you've learned previously, you know, now, you know, you've already said, we've got to kind of be measured about how people feel right now yeah. and whether like how they feel right now is how they're going to feel in four months or, you know, six months or in a year's time and, and are people necessarily considering all the implications of some of those decisions as well. So if that's, you know, if that is what is in front of you and your team, yeah. start thinking like what are some of the kind of the things that you're thinking about like the conversations that you're having about how you, if you do get permission to redesign workspaces, which is not unfeasible if not already happening, what, how is that going to be done this time? Oh, so, I mean, it's tricky at the moment because so currently most of us are just trying to um, address the whole safety factor um, at the moment. So that's first and foremost. It's kind of auditing your environment, this new, new world, um, and making sure that we have that, you know, that safety and hygiene sort of covered. Um, so, so that's front and centre right at the moment. In terms of, um, in terms of then what's next and how do we, how do we work through um, what the 
environment needs to be. I think, again, my my approach is always to, um, I think in this instance, you've got to almost get some, we've got to get people back into the workplace first and foremost, as in we, A, have to um, give people a reason to want to come back um and uh and and sort of um that connection to to what's um what what are the benefits um of coming together uh is first and foremost in my mind and then i think when they do come back i have um uh i think it's very very likely that when they come back this blend of virtual and uh teams that are present because at the moment we're all virtual for the most part mm. we haven't had the blended experience yet mm. so i think um uh, we're going to have to actually observe how that works um, because that's going to change. Like people are going to be doing what you and I are doing. Um, there's going to be a lot more sort of video interaction and things going on with people who are present and people who aren't. And I'm not sure that we're fully geared for that. We've got rooms and things with the equipment, but if it's happening just one-on-one um, and we, no one's ever liked people doing teleconferences at their desk and I'm sure they're not going to be too thrilled with lots of video calls going on all around them potentially mm-hmm. could be quite distracting. So. There's a whole heap of like sort of basic things that are going to be new, I think. And for me, my approach and our team's approach is always to observe first rather than um, observe, quickly adapt. I guess you would call it, you know, your, um, your prototyping. or yeah, yeah. Um, So have a look at the behaviours, have a look at what people are, are needing, do sort of your basic sort of adjustments, yeah. uh, look for the response to that, um, what, what are, what's frustrating people, what are they looking for, searching for. Mm-hmm. And then kind of evolve um, the workplace because I don't think anyone's got the answer as to how it physically needs to be di- different yet, um, apart from some of the basic stuff that we need to address because of COVID and social distancing and, and all those those factors. Mm-hmm. So I think then that's when we get some pe- get people back into the workplace. Um, how is this sort of um, uh, combined virtual and physical working um, going to play out? Yeah. And also what are people looking for when they come in? What they're probably looking for is to get together on mass, but they can't do that in the smaller spaces anymore. So how are we going to allow the, you know, use the open plan spaces to allow teams to come together and actually collaborate on mass mm. um, as a team? Um, because yeah, putting 20 people into a small meeting room isn't going to work yeah. in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, because we can't and we shouldn't. So, um, so I think we might be repurposing what goes on in the open plan um, and the open plan really is collaborative um, and people are coming in for that interaction and they've got full permission to be as creative, move things around in the open plan and, and set themselves up for those 10 days and things like that. But I think it's always good to experiment and test things before making that call. Just we certainly don't have budget to be doing, uh, <laughs> doing any changes. Um, I think uh, uh, at the end of the day, um, until occupancy ramps up, we're going to have plenty of space. Mm. Um, so I guess it's how we play with that space um, to make it attractive to people to to come in and, and, um, and be collaborative and be connected. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a long way to go, yes. Lot, yeah. And you're talking about, I mean, it's a, it's a big job as well, isn't it? Because you've got... You've got to balance what needs to be done when it comes to safety. This whole, yeah. you know, no touch, low touch economy, whatever yeah. we're talking about, there's going to be is what you need to do to comply, and then yeah. what you need to do to give people the assurances that the space that they're going into will be safe as well. Yeah. And then you're talking about how do we actually do something that's desirable and gives yeah. them like drive to return. You know, they want to be something that they want to be part of again. Exactly, because I mean, your greatest fear is 
uh, that sort of feeling of why why would I come back if I can't actually be with people mm. and collaborate and mm. communicate and move and, and all these things. So I think there's that balance of compliance and safety uh, and then people having a great experience when they're back in the workplace and not um, so how to how to work around because um, we must do all those things um, but then you don't want it to be such an experience that they're like well that's not great to come back to like, like, why would I come in for that um, which is hard at the moment because things like we're not the only business you know flaws people will be limited to their, their floor because you don't want people as much movement and that's a bit of a barrier because people love yeah. you know connecting uh, with people from different teams and things like that and in the short term that sort of stuff's going to be quite limited so you could be sitting in the office and having a zoom with someone on another level yeah rather than having a chat yeah, that's interesting. yeah so it's sort of uh, it's challenging at the moment what's that design opportunity just to shift gears a little bit as well because you touched on something I think is really interesting and this has come up in two conversations that I've had recently where people are asking the question, you talked about low occupancy, what is going to happen to our, you know, if, if we, um, and I, you know, I don't presume to know necessarily what's going on at Post, but I think just any organisation, surely we're going to be thinking about, okay, how are we start letting and moving things and you don't necessarily have to talk to that. But, you know, do you have any, and even in the industry, starting to, what are people saying about commercial property? What will there, you know, will there be a kind of, yeah, I, when we do come back, what, how are we going to fill all these spaces up? I can understand subletting to different, you know, companies. Well, there's, got be, but there's got to be a market for the exactly, subletting. Exactly. So someone's going to come in to take those spaces, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, look, I, I think, again, I mean, there's been so many sensational headlines, haven't there? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, death of office towers and this, that mm-hmm. and the other. And, and that's been quite frustrating, um, again, because it's very... Uh, reactive um, and um, and kind of assuming that what we're going through now is, you know, going to play out for the longer term. So I think at the moment no one really knows except to say that I think um, working from home and flexibility was always coming. It was just when and, mm-hmm. and how much. Um, I think everyone's, you know, mo- you know many organisations, their work, you know, workforce want flexibility um, in terms of where they work and, and how they balance their, their lives. Um, and it's just been, you know, for some it's been a longer journey and for others it's, it's, they've already embraced that. So for those for those who are already embracing it, you know, their life isn't that much different because mm. their people were already quite fluid. Um, for other organisations where that's been less so the case, this is more of a radical change because, you know, you do have... Um, the potential that maybe on any given day only 60% of the people were going to be in, um, whereas previously the, the model might have been on the assumption that 90% would be in the office on any given day. So if you do the maths, obviously that's going to lead to um, space that's, that's not being well utilised. Um, and I think that, you know, that is a challenge ahead of, ahead of um, corporate occupiers for sure and also um, the landlords. Uh, but you know, uh, leases are long-term things, and um, uh, to my point previously, you know, if space is there, someone has to be interested in it. So it's going to be very interesting as to how this all plays out, and, and I think it's very early, early stages um, uh, to know to know where that's going to land. Um, so that's a, that's a tricky one. I probably uh, another six months or so, and we'll see. 
Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, I guess again, we're we're all um, we're all focused on when are we going to be allowed to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a good take. It is. It's hard to read that, and I think it's, yeah. it's and I, I, I speculate on on, uh, on the record. Some students say about office buildings and things like that because I don't I don't think that's the case, and I think mm. again um, there is absolutely a place. Um, for bringing, I mean, that's what makes an organisation great is the sum collective of its people, right? So, um, and yes, you can get that, that collective um, uh, virtually, but um, not for everything. I really mm-hmm. don't think so. Um, yeah. so yeah. And perhaps space will be used to allocate to different purposes. I think. Yeah. On that, I mean, do you have a view? I've heard a few people kind of talking recently about this concept of third space as well, that space that's close to your home, so you potentially... Yeah. Just said, you work from home and then we go into the office and we may do our collaboration there, we'll do our creative work during there to, to, to connect and be out there and then having something else that's maybe the quiet space closer to home, co-working. Yeah, I think um, we've, that's been an interesting one and we've, we've sort of had conversations about that because that has been raised quite a lot um, as people thinking that that might be where things are heading. I kind of see, I see that would have its place if, your ability to work from home isn't possible. Like you're in a situation where you can't set yourself up uh, appropriately to, to be productive at home and, and so therefore having something close to home that you can plug into um, would make sense. But I think if, um, again, going back to what the purpose of, of an office might be, I kind of that one doesn't make sense to me because so if you have a satellite office in a particular area, well, it's only those people who live in that particular area who are going to come together and have that incidental collaboration. Uh, and will they be the, will that be beneficial? It would be beneficial socially. So mm-hmm. 100% I get that, like getting that social interaction. And in terms of that purpose of actually problem solving, um, collaborating with your team, coming together, um, observing for, you know, graduates and that, observing those around them, and learning in that particular area, I don't see how that would feel that need. Mm. Um, so, again, to my view, I kind of more subscribe to the idea that you come to that, that that sort of place that brings everyone together and then for that remote working, if it can't be done at home, I more see that the tapping into a co-working space just purely yeah. for the sociability and the tools and the desk and the chair would make sense mm. versus an organization actually setting up that space yeah. um for 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 a random assortment of people who happen to live in a certain area plugging mm-hmm. into that i think i think that's where co-working spaces and all of that makes a lot of sense yeah um because it's just giving someone the, the ability to get out of home if home isn't a good place for them to work and for many it isn't mm-hmm. um but not having to do the commute into the city or wherever it might be yeah uh, as for having a whole distributed lot of offices for a particular organisation, I can't, can't necessarily say um, how that would play out necessarily and be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need to have an enormous, need serious scale, I think, as an organisation to be able to pull yeah, that, that makes off. Sense I think that's Erica exactly. Something. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably where it's kind of coming from as well, because it's talking about bigger concentrations of people in some of those capital cities that maybe are still travelling large distances as well. Yeah, whereas, yeah, maybe, it makes, maybe if the organisations where people are commuting from Melbourne to Sydney, well, it yeah. makes sense to let that go, you know, yeah. or what have you, versus 
versus just having little satellite offices around Melbourne, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What do you think sort of leaders can be doing to lead um, or should the questions that they should be asking at this time? Because I think, I mean, it can't all only be up to workspace teams like you, you know, and these sorts of teams. <laughs> it's, it's everybody's, it's everything we do and it's, um, you know, I'm sure that you're, people and culture teams are heavily involved in this as well it's a big cultural yeah. piece but you know we do get quite a lot of leaders tuning into this like what are the sorts of questions that they should be asking or the conversations that that they can be leading around this at the moment this organization yes, um, it's it's tricky because i think um at the moment and it makes complete sense everyone's again was trying to cope with, with the now um uh, and uh, and look after their people while they're remote and, and, um, and keep that connection happening, uh, understand their concerns and fears about return and things like that. So that, you know, that's obviously front of mind. Um, whereas I think, though, where it's at now, and especially now, again, talking to peers and hearing that sort of potential reluctance to come back, um, I think leaders do need to now be thinking about what does this mean for the longer term for us? Um, and I think, um, you know, different organisations will tackle that differently. But, you know, here's an opportunity to actually um, study and understand how this, how this experiment uh, has gone um, and, you know, test the proof points about what's worked and what hasn't, um, where have we seen improved productivity, um, where, where have there been struggles, how have people responded to this and do that analysis. And then actually play that forward around one of the great things that have come from this, regardless of this COVID situation where we're, we've got no choice, uh, and what are the good things that we want to carry forward? We were probably thinking about them already. So now let's seize the day um, and, and sort of start thinking about post-COVID mm. uh, because I think um, what's, you know, what we have to be careful about is freezing all thoughts of the future until we get out the other side of this because I think, and that's what um, I think that's what people are looking for is a little bit more of a forward look um, so that they feel confident again that the, the thing they're being heard and what's worked for them in this situation isn't going to be lost. So I, I do think um, you have to, even though it's um, incredibly busy at the moment for many people, um, just sort of coping with all this change, um, we need to sort of start doing that, uh, that thinking and analysis and, and understanding and, and kind of um, putting a stake in the ground around what we will continue on with. I think that, that's really important um, because I think leaders need to recognise um, the significance of the change and the impact it's had on people. It's phenomenal. Really, again, you couldn't, you couldn't, you would never be allowed to do an experiment like <laughs> Like we did pilot studies and stuff yeah. for our way of working. Yeah. And it was interesting whenever we did those, um, we had trouble throwing people out of the pilot floor mm. because once they got a taste for it, they didn't want to go back. <laughs> so it's happening scale. Yes. So we have to yeah. work out. But we have to then temper that with. We're not having a normal experience. Mm. This is not normal. Um, so it's not a completely controlled um, workplace pilot experiment. It's got a whole health, a heap of other layers of stress 
uh, and and um, other things going on. So that's the hard bit is how to remove the abnormalities and understand what's what's the good, the pure good stuff um, that regardless of the situation um, we can learn from. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a it's a heck of a, a heck of an experiment, and and geez, like the speed of change and people adapting to this is phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. And particularly for businesses, you guys would have had all the tools and known how to yeah. operate um, collaboratively and creatively uh, in this way, whereas, you know, many of us haven't mm. haven't done it. So we've had to figure it out pretty, pretty bloody quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. We had a bit of a saying back then when it happened, was, this is not a drill. <laughs> you know, this is so much in our work. You're always preparing. You were talking about, you know, be ready for these times of ambiguity and we're living in a VUCA world and now when we actually look back and we're talking about how uncertain the world was, it was almost like, you know, you're creating these scenarios of, of how do you deal and how do you, you know, create certainty in these sorts of scenarios and it's like this one is here. You know, everything yeah. I've been preparing for is truly here. Yeah, and I think that's also going to be interesting for Melbourne. Um, yeah is, you know, are many organisations, again, temperature checked people's readiness to return a month ago? Yeah. Um, and their response was whatever at that time. Very interesting to do. I think it's absolutely pertinent to do another one after another four weeks, another five weeks. It'd be very interesting to see if the response is the same yeah. as well, the longer this goes, whether mm. some of the gloss comes off. Again, there are fundamentals that are fantastic, but it's more what are we, what are we missing? We've been been together. Right. People might be banging down your doors after this next one. <laughs> oh, maybe. Again, yeah. yeah. Maybe the longer you're not there. Yeah, then you forget. It's, again, yeah. if, if you're someone who struggles with change, it's just another big, mm. big change. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to deal with. So um, yeah, again, it just depends on um, the type of person you're on. I think. Yeah. It's really late as well, isn't it? But you've, it's a nice comment you made, though, I think, for leaders as well, Claudette. You see them, you know, yes, you do have to focus on the now and it's keeping the team together and keeping that morale up. But at the same time, you know, what our people are asking for is a little bit of that, you know, a bit of that future gazing. Like we don't necessarily have all of the answers, but let's start trying to think what the future might entail and what can we be doing now. And I think get our yeah. teams ready and make the most yeah. of it. Like what? Yeah actually benefit most from and even and yeah. about here that, that mindset of what can we be optimistic about what are some of the exciting trends and things that are coming off the back of this yeah also that people don't again feel um things are finite and yes. these things that you box yourself in um i think because we'll try something and then it might not work as we thought yeah. And then we need to be able to adapt again. So I, I don't think, um, I think everyone on both sides, business and, and, and um, people working for organisations need to accept it's going to be fluid mm. um, and um, a business might sort of put something out there that we think it's going to be like that. But again, you know, things will keep changing. So um, I don't think anyone should feel concerned about sort of hard and fast locking some things down. Um, it's more that you've got to be willing to um, to go with the flow a little bit at the moment mm -hmm. uh, and, and, see, and see how it all um, unfolds as well yeah, without feeling like you're not a big deal. That's kind of... <laughs>
now we know nothing's permanent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you when you're talking to kind of peers, you mentioned before when you're having conversations, are there any sort of cool things that you've seen people do or anything where you thought, oh, that's a good way to handle this at the moment, or trends that are starting to emerge? I think um, more of something that I think is gonna we're gonna see more of, uh, and we're certainly looking at how it might work in the future, is if um if we're going to not all be coming into the office on regular every day. Um, so suddenly people are going to be more fluid, um, but you're wanting to, um, when you come in the office, you're wanting to have those conversations and have the connections with the people you need to connect with. So I think um, a lot of conversations are going to be uh, happening around booking space, mm-hmm. um, and but they're not just booking a desk because that's not very helpful either. That's just giving you a tool, but around booking team spaces and teams knowing, like, that they're all going to come in on a certain day um, so that they can all hang out together and work together and, and use the tools and spaces to, to collaborate. Um, because I think in the future, if we are a little bit more fluid um, with where people are working, it's going to be really important how we can come together with purpose mm. rather than just randomly rocking in on a day and hoping um, that the people you want to talk to are, or you need to talk to are there. Obviously, you might bump to people that you can think you needed to talk to and have a great conversation which is true as well but I think um the whole idea around managing space mm. uh, and how to be booked uh in different ways is something that there's a bit of conversation about and that speaks to the fact that if ultimately footprint is going to get a bit smaller because it doesn't make sense to have desks waiting for people to come in twice a week or three times a week that's just not sustainable um, Workplaces will have to be managed more purposefully mm. uh, and with more thought around, again, um, having the right spaces and tools and at the right scale for teams to do what they want to do when they do want to come in. Um, so I think there will be a bit of a trade-off with um, everyone deciding that work from home is on Friday. Um, it's probably not going to work. Um, <laughs> because it will be a commercial reality. That it, yeah. If people are only in a few days a week, everyone can't choose the same day. Yeah. If you if you want to manage your space properly, yeah. um, you, can, you can't just have a ghost town on a Friday and then have to cater for everyone being in on a Tuesday, for example. Yeah, so Friday's a good creative day, though. It is. I love my production. <laughs> that was my working from home day, yeah. um, and the reason for me was more that allowed you to kind of clear the decks for the weekend yeah, and kind of consolidate the week. Mm-hmm. Um, Sort of do your thinking and round it out and not carry everything through to the weekend. Um, so, yes, there's merit in that. But um, I just think it's going to be that that idea of knowing who's going to be in when for larger organisations is quite important. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the short term, it's going to be important just for managing um, occupancy caps and lifts and yeah. things like that. So we have to do it from a safety perspective in the, in the short term but I think it's a it's a it's going to be an interesting thing to see that and all different tools and things are already bobbing up in that space mm. so that you can see who's in as well and you yeah. can kind of make sure you're going to sit next to them and things like yeah. that so yeah. yeah so I think there'll be some some cool workplace technology to help um again make the experience of coming in be meaningful um, and, and getting what you want from from that experience as well Mm. So, um, so that's probably one of the things. I think. Apart from all the contactless stuff, of 
course. Yeah. It's, actually, it's interesting actually as well, isn't it? Because you're talking about that's, that is almost the path, like the things that you've got to do to remain compliant at the moment and tick that safety box like we spoke about before. Then, you know, as they begin to evolve, then more innovation starts to come in and we actually realise we can use these things for different needs. So exactly like you yeah. say, you can find out that, you know, this is so-and-so from this department, they're going to be sitting here at this time. I know yep. where they are, so I can go and have, I can actually engineer that bumping. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> we we can do. You know, we, yeah, we can do that kind of collaboration. So, yeah. Without stalking, of course. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and privacy and all these things. So I think, yeah, I think it's interesting. But, yeah, certainly the whole, um, the other stuff, you know, is all around the, um, yeah, I think there'll be lots of technology around um, reducing how many you know, things touch and all those sorts of things are for sure um, coming and um, and will be just standard in buildings in the future. Um, and it's so fascinating. None of us have ever thought about that stuff ever yeah. around how many times people touch a lift button. It's, um, it's the level of detail that we're all having to think about now. It's, it's quite mm. extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, no, it changes forever. Oh, this has just been the most fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've loved to interview you more, actually. <laughs> you know, the way you guys are uh, working this way. But I do have to add one thing. I uh, I loved, I went and had a look at your, um, uh, I think it was your LinkedIn on your website. And I learned something major yesterday around mm. the correct way to take a post-it note off. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I've always had the issue with them curling up and falling off the wall. Oh, no. So that'll that will change your life. That will change my life. So yes. thank you so much. Yes. And I can see them behind you. They're all beautifully uh, stuck up. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I know. The, 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 the exciting thing is you would have thought that post is going to be a thing of the past <laughs> with this, but no, you've got to, anyone who, who loves these has got to get onto the digital versions as well. So we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wish I'm sure you're all like about that. But no, love, thank you, thank you for the conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. When this is done, we'll finally have that uh, that catch up in, in person. Yeah, we absolutely will. So it's been fantastic. So just for our listeners as well, Claudette, could you, um, is can they connect with you on LinkedIn? We will pop Claudette's details on there as well. So don't hesitate to get in touch. I'm sure she's shared so much knowledge with us today. And, um, oh, thank you. Through, I'm sure. There are many of us having these conversations, so there's a lot of information to uh, digest out there, that's for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, and we'll talk really soon. Good to see you. Bye. Bye. So on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Claudette Leeming. Now, Claudette has spent her career in the property industry. She's got a specialisation in workplace strategy, and she's super passionate about unlocking the power of the physical environment to impact business performance. She's also a designer, but she's really tapped in to understanding the business needs and also connecting the dots between thinking creatively and making that a reality in strategy. In 2015, she moved into the role of the head of workplace at Australia Post, where she still is today in a broader role within group property. 
She loves bringing together technology, people and culture and likes to influence workplace experience, but also not limiting the organisation's effectiveness or compromising the effectiveness in doing that. She also studied interior design at RMIT before spending the next 20 years in practice. So I really enjoyed this conversation because I think it's such a timely one with everything that is going on around us in the changing world um, and this great remote working experiment that we are all in globally at the moment. Claudette has some really unique perspectives on where this all might head and why all of us as leaders uh, need to think about what is coming in the future, but also not make too many assumptions at this point in time when we don't necessarily have all of the answers. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. <laughs> 